On Sunday, we talked a little bit about being a vessel and about God wanting to fill you. We actually said in Matthew chapter 5, it says that if you thirst, if you hunger for his love, for his righteousness, for his presence, it says he'll pour it out and he'll fill you. And how many of us, I mean, that's what we're we're looking for him to fill us with his love. And what that did for me was uh, it it reminded me of a story that we used to tell. Pastor Bill told told this story for... for years and years and years and years, and he used to work in the restaurants, and of course they had those wonderful uh, shake machines. You know, you go up to McDonald's, or in his case, Burger Chef, and you order a lovely shake, and uh, it is not made probably of anything dairy whatsoever, but the chemicals taste like a shake, and so, you know, when it sits there, though, the bacteria, he says, you know, as a a manager in the restaurants for all these years that he was, he said the bacteria would form on the top. And, and you would try to scoop it out, and, and you would try to, try to kind of get it out with a, however you, whatever you had in your hand, a spoon or whatever. And as soon as you would touch it, it would all disintegrate and fall back down in there. And then you'd have to wait for it all to come back to the top. But he said they finally figured out how to get rid of all the junk and the bacteria and the bad stuff that was on the inside. They poured in good stuff. They took whatever those chemicals were or whatever that little carton said, shake. (laughs) You know, they opened it up, and that's what they they poured in. The good and the bad just came out over the top. Now, there was a mess. You had to clean it up. There were some things that kind of spilled out, and you you had to mop it up or wipe it down or do those things. But the good going in took care of the bad because the bad came out. And, and you may be here tonight, and, and I want to encourage you that if you'll allow the love of God to be poured into your life, the bad will come out. You've been trying to scoop it out. You've been trying to pick it out. You've been, you've been trying to read it out, you know, trying to find a book on this or a book on that particular thing. You've been trying to have somebody sit down with you and pray and do those things. I'm telling you, if you allow the love of God to be poured into your life, all that stuff will come out. And then not so much just for us, of course, like we talked about on Sunday, being a vessel means we go out and we continue to share this oil or this anointing with the people who are around us. We share God's love in their life. You've been trying to fix people for a long time. You've been trying to fix your brother. You've been trying to fix your sister, your brother-in-law, the guy at work. You know the answer, but you can't seem to fix it. They just don't get it. They just don't understand. Then we get a little agitated with them, and then we do all those kind of things. Listen, if you'll just love them, with the love of Jesus, if you'll just pour his love into their life, it will eventually break through and bust up all the stuff and it'll all start to come out. Because his love, his love will push aside the junk. It does, it separates us from that stuff. And the, the passage of scripture that, that he gave me to go along with that story, it's, it's a great story. And, and, and because I, I've found myself, and you probably have as well, talking to somebody for a long time and giving them everything you got and trying to trying to fix them and they don't necessarily listen or they don't necessarily get it or they don't necessarily even maybe want it but there's been these other opportunities where all i've done is just love somebody just treat them like jesus would just love on them yeah but they're sinners yeah but that's why he came so were you and somebody loved you And when I've just poured the love of God into somebody's life over a period of time, I may not be the one who gets to bring the the poor thing into the boat. I'm not the one who gets gets to see them saved or whatever that is in that moment. But all of a sudden, they're saved. All of a sudden, their life changed. All of a sudden, they stopped doing what they were doing. All, and, and we have story after story after story of people in this church who said, I don't know what it was. It was just the love that I felt in that place. 
It was just the love of God that I felt. And to mix the two things about his love and, and, and his fullness is in Ephesians. And uh, it's in the very bottom there. Sorry, Jessica, uh, I started at the bottom. We'll start at the bottom maybe and go up. Who knows? Uh, as we go today. But it's in Ephesians and it's chapter 3. And it's verses 14 through 19. And it says, For this reason, Paul said, that I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all or the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, that's a, there, I mean, there's a lot of words there. So you've got to go back maybe and read that again and look at that again. But as we move into the last part of 17, this is where, I, this is where it really begins to, to sink home. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. Why? Why is it so important that he, he, he pour in that love in our life? Why is it so important that we understand and know his love? Because with that comes great wisdom, and with that comes great knowledge, and with that comes his presence, and it changes who we are. It says that you may, not now just being rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend or understand or actually finally get it. With all of the saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That being rooted and grounded, that having his love at the base and the foundation brings the fullness of God in your life. That's what we're, I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for a piece of God. We're looking for all of God. You people come to church and they say, I just want more of him. That's what we're, I mean, we're looking for that fullness. Allow him to pour his love into your life. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus more than you love you? Do you love Jesus more than you love your spouse? Do you love Jesus more than you love your, your kids? Is that relationship the most important thing for you? Not only Pastor Bill and that example of the shake machine, but I was reminded of my mom too. You know, years ago when, when we were young and, and we moved to Oklahoma the first time, it was a single mom and three kids, and I was like, I was fifth grade, half, halfway through fifth grade, and my brother was third, my sister, I think, was first, and we went out there to Tulsa, and she sat, and she played on her piano at night, and God absolutely poured his love into her life, and it healed her. It drove us nuts. You know the story. I'd scream from upstairs as some kind of awful kid, stop playing that piano, you know, and we'd get mad and do that kind of stuff, but thank God she didn't stop playing the piano because God's love absolutely transformed her life his love it wasn't necessarily going to meetings it wasn't necessarily going to places and have people laying hands on it was sitting in his presence worshiping jesus and falling in love with him and allowing his love to take care of all the junk that was on the inside and she came back a a different person absolutely transformed her she came back from a broken person to to someone who was strong and confident and healed and following the the Spirit of God and knowing that God is her source and it's not man, it's not a person, it's not a job, it's Him. God told her, I will bring into your life a man who will love you like I do. And that was, you know, Pastor Bill, the knight in shining armor who drove up in the Ford LTD. 
And, and when, he, when he pulled up, he was the guy who loved her that way. But I would encourage you because I think many times we are broken and we're looking for the word or we're looking for the, the thing. And I'm not saying that God's word doesn't heal you. And I'm not saying that there's not a scripture for you. But I am telling you, there is something about just falling down on your knees in his presence and just worshiping him and allowing his love to fill that room and to fill your life. It changes the way you think about you. It changes the way you see your situations. It changes the way you see your kids. It changes your way you see your finances. It changes the way you see your It changes the way that you see everything around you. And then not only that, it changes the way that you see the people around you too. And you've heard these stories over and over and over again, but I'm telling you, God took care of us out there. And he showed us his love. People would bring things and put them on our porch, and then she would give some of it away. There was always, there was always a thing that said, look, I'm telling you, God is pouring into us, so we pour out to others. And the scriptures here in the beginning that I wanted to share, Romans chapter 5. The title of the message is Casting Stones, and I know that sounds weird if we're going to talk a little bit about love and God's love filling us, but, but what happens many times in our lives is it's that John, and we're going to go there here eventually, John and the lady who was caught in the midst of adultery in the, in the book of John, and, and that everybody was going to cast a stone and, and kill her because she was caught, you know, in, in, in the midst of adultery. I mean, you can figure all that out. I mean, that was a bad situation. But to, to come back before that, in, John, in Romans chapter 5, Verse 7, it says, For scarcely a righteous man might die for one, yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare die. But God demonstrated, it says, his own love, his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners. And I know when we tie Woody's message on Wednesday and my message on Sunday about going out and being a vessel and doing these things, we, we, we do have this tendency to say, yeah, but, they don't understand, they don't get it, they don't deserve it. Well, but, neither did we. And who has made us the judge of whether or not somebody deserves love, acceptance, forgiveness? It all kind of came back last night as we were sharing in, in our membership class, Victor membership class, just a little bit about who we are, where we've been, and those kind of things, but the 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 vision of our church is that we would be people who not just in this building but through those doors and out into this community would share the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. The love. We would share the love. Okay, acceptance, forgiveness. Yeah, we would share the love of Jesus with the people who are around us. Helping them find Jesus and learn to love him more. Love and acceptance and forgiveness. I think sometimes we're real easy to say God loves you. But listen, do we, do we accept them? Do we bring them in? And I don't know Jasmine very well, but I, I, I'm excited about the fact that, that we've got folks in, in our church who say, you know what, we really want to go out here to Claystone and we for some reason just feel like this is a place that, that God has for us to go out there and just, just, just sit around with some women and, and, and just share the love of God by teaching this, this little class about seeking God. And I don't know how many people Donna said will be there, and I don't know if it's 6 or 2 or 25 or 97. I don't know if there'll be 100 kids. I don't know if we'll have to have hot dogs. I don't know what we're going to do. But God will supply all those things because I know he's called us to come out here and just to love people. Yeah! Hey! Now, Jasmine wasn't the only person in that group, 
But if it would have been just Jasmine, hey, don't you think it's worth it? Huh? I mean, that's fantastic. What kind of heart do you have for that? It's this book, this love does book. It's this thing that says, you know what? God is love. And he loved us enough to send Jesus, and then he commanded us to go love. And I'm not trying to just harp on the same thing, but I am trying to encourage you. Be lovers. Lovers everywhere you go. Not fighters, lovers. I, I, I can't wait to go home tonight because I've got to see if this guy is still standing in this, in this place. Mike, I don't know if you saw him. Um, you lived by me, and when you came to church, I don't know what time you came to church. Your van wasn't at home when we came. But there was a, uh, where, where, where 52 goes up under uh, Soldier's Home Road, we, we live up on Soldier's Home Road, and, and where that thing curves around, many of you have been on the west side, you know where that is, and it tees up right there. And this guy was standing there, and he had like two girls with him, must have been his daughter or something. And I don't know if he knew this person, but he's standing there across from this person who's getting ready to come down toward our house, you know, head, head north on, on Soldier's Home. And he's like, he's giving them the bird and like yelling at them as they go by. And I like, I drove by and I was like, dude, that guy's flipping people off. We want to be the guy who's like, hey, God loves you. And this is the guy who's going, hey, something else, right? I mean, this is the anti what I'm talking about today. Like, and then I guess, you know, people driving by and he's like giving them the bird as they go. Just, did you have a bad day? I mean, is that what, is that what, you know, you, you've had that kind of day that you're just going to give the, everybody that goes by the bird, you're going to give them the what for? Huh? Hug him, Mike. Hug him. Love him, man. Come on. You might go check it out now. I don't, well, David, you drive the West Side van route. If you see him, pick him up. Bring him to church next time. If he gives you the finger, say, that's good. Wave it all back to him, all five. But it says that, listen, we can go to this guy. And I'm, I'm no, I don't know this guy from Adam. And I don't know if he knew the guy he was flipping on. I don't know what it was. But I was so astonished that someone would actually stand. Now, I don't know why I'm astonished. Because of the world in which we live in. But, but, I mean, it was just like, to me, the guy who's like, just love everybody, man. And he's like just railing on this guy in this car as he drives by with his girls, you know? To me, I'm like, that's, I got, somehow we got to, we got to find this guy. We got to reach this guy. We got to love this guy. Something's broken there. Something's not right. Something's, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's hurt him. I don't know. I, maybe he didn't know. I don't care if he knew this guy. What if he knew this guy? Something, man, on the inside of him. This guy needs to let go of some stuff. He needs to experience the love of Jesus. I, I, I didn't stop. Maybe I should have stopped, but then Mike or somebody else, Pam, would have, somebody would have had to preach because I wouldn't have been here because I'd have been hugging this guy on the side of the road. But listen, you, the, the people are broke. Not money, there's broken things on the inside. And the only thing that's going to change them and set them free is the love of God. And you've got that. You've got it. It says that we can come to him in our time of need into the throne room of grace and he will pour out grace into our life. So that when you go into that instance and the guy flips you off and you want to punch him in the face, you love him instead. How does that work? It's the grace of God that's alive on the inside of you, man. You're a lover, not a fighter anymore. I don't care if you're Mike Tyson. You're a lover, not a fighter. That's who you are. You used to hit him with a pool stick, but now you love him. That's just the way it goes. You're not, right? I love you. 
I didn't deserve that. But I love you. And you know what? Even more so, Jesus loves you. David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz. Many of you know the story. David Wilkerson was a preacher years ago, and he went around to different things and was in the streets, and he was in New York, and Nikki Cruz was a gangbanger and, and just a really bad guy. And, and he, came, he came into the middle of this place where Nikki Cruz and his gang was, and he went down into their little lair, and, and he said, I, I, I'm just here to tell you that I love you, Nikki, and that God loves you. And he was the baddest of the bad, and uh, everybody knew who he was because he was the baddest of the bad in that world and in that place. And, and he said, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. And he said, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, I promise you every piece will be yelling back to you, I love you and God loves you. And that changed his life. Something clicked on the inside of him. He couldn't get that out of his head. And then for years, he went around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because one guy said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if it's dangerous. I don't care if you're going to cut me up. I don't care what the situation is. You need to know that God loves you. And he poured it out. And pouring it out in that guy's life did something. It changed him. It fixed him. Just like this guy on the side of the road tonight, you know. That is not, listen, that is not right. Whether this person knew he knew him or not knew him or anything else, to stand there and give some dude the bird and give him the what for, that's not right. But I could sit there and tell him that his behavior's bad. I could roll down my window and tell him he's an idiot. I could, you know, I could run him over with my car and probably be justified. But the only, that's, that, that nobody, nothing good comes out of any of that. But you pull over and you stop and you come up to him and say, dude, now let me just tell you something. God loves you, man, and I love you too. How can I help you? How are you hurt? I I can't fix it, but I know God's love can. See, we have this this world that we live in today that everybody just wants to be able to do whatever they want to do. And I'm not saying that that's right, but I'm saying the answer is the love of Jesus. It's not trying to talk them out of it. It's not trying to get them to understand how wrong they actually are. It's this idea that says, look, I'm going to look past the fact that you're flipping this guy off and screaming at him because I want to share the love of God with you. I'm not saying what you're doing is all right, and me not talking about it doesn't say that somehow I'm saying it's right. I'm just saying the most important thing in this moment right now is for you to know and understand that God loves you. Because many times we're like, yeah, but you gotta, we got to do something about this sin. I can't do anything about sin. Can you do anything about sin? The only thing that can do anything about sin is the, is the blood of Jesus. And that only comes by his love. That's the only way that that can be taken care of. So you're looking past that sin. You're looking past that, that issue. You're looking past that problem in that person's life for the express purpose of sharing the love of Christ. I don't even know if it's going to work. I pull over to the side of the road and I try to hug this dude who's flipping people off. That might not be a real safe place. But if God says to do it, it's the safest place in the world to be. And God will take care of me. Now don't go off into the drug dens of the country and try to do all kinds of things. Be led by the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God. 
But listen, we're, we're, in, we're in a world where nobody wants to change their behavior. They just want you to tell them they're okay. Well, I can't tell you that your sin is okay, but I can tell you that Jesus loves you in spite of your sin. Well, I don't know. You've got to like me for who I am. I love you for who God made you to be. I don't love what you do. But I love you for who you are because I know that Jesus loved me even though I was a sinner, right? Romans, we just read in the beginning that though we were sinners, Christ still died for us. In Matthew chapter 9, it's a, it's a story, and it's an interesting story because it's, it's Matthew writing the book of Matthew, and it's a story about Matthew. So I don't know how all this unties or how this works out. But in Matthew, in chapter 9, verse 9, he's writing, and Matthew was a tax collector, and in those days, tax collectors were not the top of the list dudes. And people say, well, they were just doing their job. Not really. Because if you go back and you look at it, yes, they were collecting taxes for, for the government, but they, they, those jobs were kind of up for grabs, and the person that got that job had the opportunity to get the taxes for the government, but then they also got to levy their own personal tax, whatever they felt was just, so that they could line their pockets. So they weren't coming against, you know, Matthew wasn't a bad guy because he collected taxes for the government. He was a bad guy because on top of that, he was, also, he was stealing from the people. Does that make sense? So nobody's coming against government workers here. (laughs) So don't go out there and pick at the the city building or anything. It says, though, that Jesus passed on, and when he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax office, he said to him, follow me. And so Matthew arose and followed Jesus. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. For many of you, that's probably work. Maybe that's the way it is at work, where you work. Surrounded by sinners and tax collectors and whatever. You know, people who aren't living right. You know, reminds me, like I said on Sunday, of John Pitt's story, you know, being in the the factory over there at the wire factory and and, and guys who, who professionally can curse. You know, I mean, they curse professionally. They put them together in such a way that you go, I don't know if I need to be offended or amazed. I never saw those words go together like that. That's, That's really astonishing. Like, they're real. They know how to do it. And so they're sitting at the lunch table, and people look and see Jesus is sitting amongst all these people. And they say, why is, why is he sitting amongst all of these sinners? Why is he sitting amongst all of these people? And that's where he responds and he says, because I have come to be the physician to the sick, right? We talked about the lonely and the lost and the hurting on Sunday. And he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he talks about, in this, in this passage, he talks about this fact that says, listen, and many of us know this, some of the greatest witnesses, some of the greatest lovers of people in this world were chief sinners, were people who were jacked up, screwed up, messed up, and going down the wrong road. And when you have been set free of a horrible weight and a horrible sin that you know 
was just absolutely dastardly. When you've been set free, you can't help but go out and set people free. You can't help but go. When you know, man, you were the least likely to be loved, but you were loved by a God who sent his son to die on the cross from you. Man, you cannot help but go out and love. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul tells, he, Paul, he tells Timothy, and, and I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, is, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. I was a bad, bad boy. But God loved me enough to take me and to put me in this place. And so I will spend the last moment of my life on this earth bringing the love of Jesus to the people who are around me. He goes on in verse 15 or 16 and says, Because Christ came for the sinners, of whom, Paul said, I am chief. Some of you were really good at it. And all God asks us to do, I think, is to be at good, as good at loving people as we are at sinning. To be as good as reaching out to people and helping them and pouring God's love into their life as we were and in being selfish and walking in sin and doing our own thing. Can we, be, can we just at least be that good at loving people? Well, why does that make a difference? Because love fixes people. Love fixes broken people. You may be here today, and you may be broken. I'm telling you, the love of God fixes broken people. You are called as a believer to love people. Jesus commanded us. This is the new commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything you are. And then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. No, no, give me the ten. Give me the one that says I can't cheat on my wife. Give me the one that says I can't kill people. What are all those laws that were in Deuteronomy that my parents and my grandparents told me about? He said, I have come to give you a new commandment. Not that all the, now you just can't go out and cheat on your wife. Now why? Because you walk in love. And walking in his love, you don't do that. Well, it says thou shalt not murder. Yeah, but if you walk in his love and you love your neighbor as you do yourself, you won't do that. That his love, it says in the word, conquers a multitude of sins. And you carry that with you everywhere that you go. In John chapter 8, and we'll close with this, with this story. It says in verse 1, and now uh, everyone went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down, and he began to teach them, and then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman who was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Could you imagine if somebody just came dragging somebody in the door right now? 
This is the guy, pastor. I got him off the street. He's the one flipping everybody off. Here he is. What should we do with him? That's what they that's what they said to Jesus. Listen, we've got her. We caught her finally. She was she was in the act. We got her. We now now what do we get what do we do to her? Can you imagine? Now Mike would never do this, but it reminds me of I don't even know if you can say this in church. Christmas vacation. Where he goes and he gets his boss, right? The weird old uncle goes and gets the boss and brings him back to Chevy Chase, you know, because he's wronged him, you know. Here he is! You know? So somebody, like, brings this guy and says, here he is. They throw the lady down at his feet and say, this is the woman. Apparently, you are, you are the one who's going to be able to tell us because the law says, and they all got rocks in their hand. Because they've already, they already, you're not the judge. I'm not the judge. Judge lest you be judged. I'm not looking to get judged. I've got my own issues. But they all come to him with rocks in their hand. They're ready to throw stones. They're ready to take her out because that's what the law says. But he has said, I have come to give you a different reason to live. I have come to give you a different way to approach people, a different way to approach sin in the lives of the people who are around you. They said, now Moses and the law commanded us that we should should stone her. But what do you say? And they said this testing him because they're constantly trying to figure out a way that they can catch him and they can trap him. Because if he stood up and he says, don't stone her because that's not right, then he's coming against the law. And he has not yet been crucified, and these things have not yet come to pass. And so he comes to this place, and he comes up, and he says, after he writes in the, in the, in the dirt, he says, listen, let you, without sin, throw the first stone. He who is among you, without sin, let him throw the stone at her first. And one by one, it says, they all left and they all went away. Let the one of you in here who hasn't given somebody the bird throw the rock at the guy. Let the one that's in you who hasn't made a mistake and who hasn't done things out of hate or spite or all those things, let the one in here who's walking clean and perfect before God Almighty in this earth, let him be the one to take this guy out first. Is there anybody that can? No. Just like with this lady, they all left. He stood up and he... Now this is the part that's great. Jesus' love does not say, I love you so much that... Your, your life is going to change, but you can still sin. He says, I love you so much that your life is going to change. Now go and sin not. See, he said, listen, woman, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. How does that work? That Ephesians chapter 4, that thing says, If I am rooted and grounded in his love, I understand the width and the depth and the height and the, uh, the, I'm telling you, I get the whole fullness of who he is and what he is, and I don't have to sin anymore. 
Why? Because I'm full of his love. So now you take that gift and you give it because now all of a sudden I got, I mean, I'm like, oh, I like that. Now we have that gift to give to the person outside. Because I think when I talk about it on Sunday, it's like, go out and pour it into people's lives. Well, pour what? I don't know a whole lot. Love them. Love them. It's easy. Share the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ with everybody you come in contact with. But pastor, I want to fix... Hey, that's what you do. God will fix them. His love fixes broken people. How many of you were broken one time? And now you're glad you're not. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.